Blog Talk Radio. Aloha, welcome to Talking Pictures. I'm your host, Paul Booth, as always. It is a beautiful and sunny day here in Southern California. We are going to be reviewing a film titled Friends, Effing Friends, Effing Friends, directed by independent filmmaker, director, Quincy Rose. This has got a really fantastic IMDb rating. After we discuss the film, I suggest you check it out. Um, on IMDb, uh, must have just been a typo. He's he's lab- he's listed twice as the writer. Uh, so obviously writer, director here. And we have to say, well, first of all, I'm going to get through some announcements here for the show. We are happy because this week, um, not to detract from friends, effing friends, effing friends. Uh, We're going to be reviewing a film called Flytrap, which has been picking up some festival awards and hits video on demand tomorrow. Um, This film we're talking about today has an LA screening coming up on September 1st. Um, We want to, we want to, we're going to be letting you guys know about what's coming up because we, we just, are so happy about some of the things that we have planned and we feel that every filmmaker helps support every other filmmaker with these episodes. So I thought, why not, if we have two or three releases in a week, mention them all because we consider our guests part of the Talking Pictures family. And so it's not about competition or labeling. So we just want to say there's something out there for everyone. We want to send our congrats to our guest and filmmaker friend Lulu Wong, who uh, posthumous came out this week. Uh, There was just an article on NBCnews.com about it. And this is to let out our new humbling motto here at the show that podcasts, many podcasts, we respect other artists. They get the film, they get the review. Talking Pictures gets you the review and the director. Of course, sometimes scheduling gets in the way and we're not going to tell you that we're going to review Scorsese's film and then Marty's going to call us up. But when it comes to indie films, we have a commitment. And so far, when we have reviewed a film, we have got you guys the director. So please, again, let your friends know. Uh, You want to hear a movie podcast, you get the review. You can check out the film on video on demand. And then you can hear the director on Talking Pictures, talking to us about their process. So the, uh, yeah, we, we uh, Quincy Rose will be joining us. We're thankful to say that. Uh, we, we, we're not going to be uh, releasing just exactly when, but it will be soon, as well as hopefully Lulu Wong, um, who is just, of course, going through her release this week. Uh, Friends Effing Friends, uh, we did review here on the show, um, it was for Dances with Films, I'm sorry, I was in like this 100 day period that we have where sometimes we're covering three festivals at once, so we never mean a dis- any disrespect to a filmmaker or a festival, but um, Friends Effing Friends, yeah, it was Dances with Films, and our good friend, uh, Mr. Jonah, who brought this film to us, and I loved it. You can go in the archives of Talking Pictures 
and there's my take on it. But today, we're going to be joined from Colorado by our one of our podcast co-producers. Pardon me one second here. I apologize. There's this nice little mini heat wave going on down here. And I would rather have a little bit of a fan than get dizzy while I'm on air and not do it appropriately. Also, you hear my water here. Talking pictures, we are a kickback atmosphere. We invite you to grab your cup of tea, your coffee, your water, and just chill. Um, We are not here to uh, make anyone feel uncomfortable. Friends effing friends, I'll go through some of the IMDB stuff as we await Jim's call. Um, Jim, of course, has joined us for various reviews, and we've broken down different uh, directors. One of the fun things about having Jim on air, and this is actually his return, he hasn't been on air since last year, is that you can go in the archives and we have episodes where we discussed Ang Lee, we discussed Gus Van Sant, we discussed remakes. And these are full episodes of us um, discussing films, films we agreed on, sometimes films we don't agree on. That's, of course, our homage to Siskel and Ebert. Uh, Jim uh, is something very valuable. And again, it's something that the list, for you new listeners, he's 71 years old. So he brings uh, 50, over 50 years of watching films. Um, to his experiences and his thoughts and takes and his take on film. So we appreciate having that uh, well of information with us. So I see here that uh, Jim has called in. Um, are you with us, Jim? Yep, right here. Excellent. Thank you for calling in. Again, Jim's calling in from Colorado. Jim got to review Friends, effing friends, effing friends. Again, this is the second review Talking Pictures is giving, and this is to promote this weekend's Los Angeles screen. No, not this weekend, sorry. September 1st screening in Los Angeles, out in the valley. We want you to uh, Google and go to their website. I made a big host snafu. I apologize not only to Mr. Rose, but to our friend Jonah, and to you, I made a big boo-boo as a host and accidentally deleted the website a few minutes ago. So, again, not a professionalism thing. We all do it when we're zipping through emails. So, again, September 1st, it is screening out in the Valley and on our next episode. So, again, you have to come back. Um, we will have that information announced for you so you can get it, and we'll also update the link to this review. So, Jim, we'll start out with initial feelings, since I've done a full review, but I'm going to kind of go through discussing this film with you here. Uh, Initial feelings. Friends, effing friends, effing friends. Welcome back to the show after your little hiatus. Fire away. Glad to be back, and really glad that I got to see this. I, my feeling was with it is this actually was a class act. I, I have the feeling that they probably didn't have a huge budget. You know, there was no big stars. There was no big flash, the whole thing. Uh, and at the same time, it was, you know, I really enjoyed the movie. And I enjoyed it because of what it was. There's a really nice balance of actors 
you know, it, it wasn't really sure of age range, but it ultimately didn't matter. They were, uh, well, the, the whole thing was, uh, you know, it definitely wasn't Comedia dell'Arte. The pace was steady. And, the you know, like, uh, the humor was there. It was paced. It was in your face, but it wasn't over the top. Yeah, and it respected, I, I feel like part of what you're, maybe you're getting at is, also, is that the film uh, re- respected us as an audience and where we might be with the material. Um, I'll just give a brief synopsis and then I'll let Jim go into that thought. Um, a postmodern romantic comedy about luck and timing in relationships, missed opportunities, unrequited love and how the grass always appears to be greener on the other side. Um, right there alone yourself, Jim, let's jump to with your understanding of literature. Of course, those aren't those the cornerstone themes, love, unrequited love, grass is always greener. I mean, has someone who's so into books, uh, could you appreciate the way that was laid out with the character? Yes. No, I, I definitely love the fact that it, Actually, was life in your face without being, you know, it's it, some of the stuff. It was, it just is, seems to have worked for this movie. I mean, it was the language was there, the reality of this time and place was there. It really wasn't treated like slapstick, but with the pace, the fun was there. You know, you, it was like right. one of the things that I noticed was just how stuff was taken for granted. And with that, the reality of that, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, the missed opportunities, the misunderstandings. The, the One of the things that I was, because it was so mature, one of the things that I uh was really sort of, you know, confused about was the nudity of the women was just so taken for granted. But, and I'm sitting there going, uh-oh, there's still not a male arse in sight. <laughs> right, 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 that, right. Yeah, that, that, that's sort of old-fashioned. I, you know, I, I thought with somebody that is young and, you know, really into what's happening now, that, uh, you know, the younger generation would have been beyond that. But it just sort of, even though, you know, there was a lot of talk about that, the dick and the the homosexual angle, you know, I'm gay. So, I mean, you know, I think that was fun. That was funny. But I still wanted to see a buck. (laughs) Oh, well, of course. I mean, here's what's interesting, too, that, of course, this show – we like to also let listeners know because we do have listeners out there that of course learn from the director interviews and, and can pick up some business things here and there. I know uh, a decade ago when, when I was involved and this is not comparing it to this film because I was purposely making, this is not a B film, but I was making B action or horror films and distributors would straight up say, um, get a girl to take, their top off and you'll get $25,000 more or 
Uh, we'll yeah, put it yeah. in this many more stores. Um, the director here, it says on IMDb, is going to turn 45 in about two months. So, again, the characters are not, um, to my knowledge, that, you know, I, I wasn't there to pay attention if they did say, oh, I'm going to be 27 soon. I was that engulfed in the story. But I think what also what you had mentioned about the age is that these were such universal themes that they could have been, uh, I mean, the characters were too mature in their actions to be like 19 or 20. So you definitely knew that they had some, you know, they had their own places. They obviously had jobs. Um, so that element was gone and that, that brilliance was in the writing, but I personally um, liked the way, like you were saying, the pacing um, when you when you mention that, it makes me think of, so for you, it, it just felt so real that almost, not that it, it could be a documentary, but it just felt like you were watching this unfold, right? I mean, did you feel like the director wasn't manipulating you? Oh, I'm going to cue the score here. It was just, it was so real for you that you were just feeling in the moment, right? Yes, no, definitely. That's that's one of the things I enjoyed about it. And at the same time, occasionally it came up. I was aware of that and appreciated it. You know, because even at my age, I have seen so many movies and so much of what's produced nowadays. It's just, you know, the pace is, is frantic. you got to keep it coming, keep it coming, keep it coming. And I, I was, I went, oh, McNulty you're actually, you know, starting to to get accustomed to that and to go back to something that was thoughtful. You know, and that I feel skillfully handled because I, I like the pace. Because it, oh, it, yeah. it, it was, the, it, like I said, it, it, the, uh, the pace was steady and at the same time, the humor was there, and it was in your face. I mean, it wasn't, they didn't shy away from so much. I'm surprised that uh, that the guy's 45, 47, that, that did it. I thought it, you know, it really did have a current feel to it. You know, it just, this is life right now. And the age range ultimately, actually, to tell the truth, uh, it didn't matter, but it did have a young feel to me. And of course, anything you know, I guess anything under fifty feels young to me. Right. Well, this does, he uh, this is listed that he made one, two, three, four, five, six shorts. <clears throat> excuse me. Before this, directed a feature that's actually gonna. Um, well, sorry, we're going to wait to announce that. He directed a feature um, that we hope to review for the show called Miles to Go, then did this Friends, effing Friends, effing Friends, and right now is on prep of another feature. And then he has um, multiple credits as an actor, um, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, it, lo- it appears as if he's grown up in the business. Um, we won't uh, ask him how or anything, but um, 
So what I liked about it was the whole writer-director aspect is that this, and I'm just going by Internet Movie Database, so if it's if it's different or if the information here is off, I don't want to take away from any uh, writer or anything, but it, it's listing him as the writer and the sole writer, and... I've found through the numerous films that we get to see on the show, I don't know if you pay attention to when uh, we watch these screeners together, Jim, but a lot of the times, and understandably, because making a film is very hard, um, there is, especially with indie films, there is three or four writers, um, sometimes even five or six. Um, A lot of the times when you see a solo writer, uh, uh, not a fad, but a, I don't know what other word there is for fad, but I guess so that's the word to use. Um, people are doing that old adage of you want a good part, write it for yourself. So you'll you, a number of indie films in the last few years uh, that I've covered have been the lead actress was a co-producer, co-writer, did not direct. So this was kind yeah, of cool because... That whole collaborative thing, I know it's happened in the past, but uh, I like something, you know, when a, a number of people get get a chance to uh, put their, you know, creativity in. But, you know, this guy, I, I'm looking forward to seeing something else by him. And, you know, oh, hey, yeah. I really am. No, I feel the same way, um, writer, because what I was getting at was that to be writer-director, really, I've seen these pieces that are writer-actress, and the piece is dead on, but the director, I mean, no disrespect, but on the film side, for those of you that have made films, those that want want to make films, uh, many times it's, it's, to not wear somebody hats or it's because you're not quite there with the material. You understand it enough to work with a director who knows. So for to, to come out with this quality of a material and go on internet movie database, this has a very high rating. I'm not going to tell you because I want you to get on the internet movie database, imdb.com um, and take a look at the page You'd be uh, not surprised, but I this movie ranks higher than some of our uh, most classic American films, and I I would attribute that to that the that there's such astute observation of I let me put it to you this way, Jim, and then uh, well, I want to hear what you have to, what you think about this. I think what works so well is is that these films that are uh, and as they say, it's about relationships, so that's obviously men, women in this case, that the male or female character might be unbalanced and there's more energy put into one or the other. This was, to me, was a balanced scale. So the, yeah. the women and the men were written just as well as the other. What, what's your take on that? No, I agree with you. Pure and simple. I agree with you. Okay. And yeah. I, that, I, go ahead. Sorry. No, just go ahead. Oh yeah. No, I mean yeah, because I think that's for me. That's what's in hearing what you thought because uh, 
so you new listeners know uh, the majority of the times we watch these films together, but we do not discuss our thoughts. We like to kind of discover on the air. Um, so we're not just, um, so it's not repetitive to us and we get the fun. So yeah, that was something that really stuck out to me, Jim, was how you felt about the drawing out of the characters. W- what did you think of like uh, the cinematography and the look of the film? Oh, wait a minute. No, I, that was it's great. That technically, a great look. I think the young man that did this and, you know, and his crew really produced a class act. I mean, this, you know, sometimes you get the, the fun of something that's, you know, just, you know, uh, B or whatever. Uh, this, you know, not knowing what the budget was, I'd say, man, they did a damn good job. One of the the things that I noticed, because it really bugs me, there's a lot of time with these really big budget movies. They they put a lot of time and attention to it. But part of it is being able to understand what people are saying. And I have any number of times had to go back once or twice on a, you know, a fairly uh, big budget movie just to find out what they were saying. This was very clear, and I appreciated that. I, you know, we just went right through, and I didn't miss anything. I, I know some people, you know, it might sound nitpicky, but I really, really appreciate that. Like with the, the the soundtrack with Magnolia, I felt with that, you know, film that the soundtrack was actually probably uh, the first character, even bigger than the, you know, the, uh, the stars. It was the star. And that, you know, so that I, I'm sort of like picky about that. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's good to have an element that you relate to, and, of course, there could be a whole, we are, look, uh, you know, before you came on, I announced some things we're going to be doing in the future. We will be doing music and film, not just musicals or musicals per se, but we will, there's a filmmaker that I'm going to bring on who was part of Dance with Films this year, and we want to break down the score of Almost Famous. But speaking of this cinematographer, he goes back to doing his time as a camera assistant and intern, even shot some of the 72 Olympic Games in Munich. And he's worked on over 70. Yeah, and has worked over 70 features. Um, Now, his name is Howard Wexler. And no, according to IMDb, no relation to the great, uh, the late great um, humble giant Hassel Wexler. Um, but so, yeah, so this is um, really cool because I'm thinking here of someone who's directing their second feature with someone who's been a cinematographer, has 145 credits as a cinematographer. And I'm just wondering, yep. wow, this is what kind of conversations go on on set. So I think that's why it was, uh, would you agree with this, that it was, um, because I watched it, I watched it, we watched it this morning, uh, detailed 
simplicity. I mean, just, it almost seemed like the most beautiful, elaborate shot of a fly going after a hamburger bun. I mean, that's what I think was just, it, it created such a space for the writing. Well, it, it's, it's my feeling, yes, thank you. It didn't get in the way. It had a nice flow to it. Yeah, and I mean, so many times it does, right? Yeah. I mean, that's where they draw attention to it, or they will. I mean, hmm, yeah. I, yeah, no, yeah, no. And, I, I, think we've both seen, I think we've both seen films where a director would sit down with some, a cinematographer that's done this many films and say, okay, we're going to crane down through the window and dolly around the table and steady cam up to the cup of coffee and we're going to do this Scorsese shot. And yeah, so this is, I have a whole new way that I'm looking at Mr. Quincy Rose and the cinematographer here uh, of how we've recommended this film to you guys that uh, the, the real, I, 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 I believe it has we've evolved, have we discussed and evolved here that it is quite a, quite a piece of work. So um, you like rom-coms, I'm going with thumbs up and Jim, what, what's your, uh, obviously a thumbs up, but, uh, well, yeah, no, I know where you're going. And, uh, at first, you know, I was going, you know, about a seven, but in, you know, as I'm looking back and we're talking about it, it's like, I, you know, giving it a close peruse, I would up that. I'd up that actually to an eight, maybe going a little bit more than that. Because like I yeah, said, it's actually, yeah, like the cinematography, you know, so it, it actually was, uh, it wasn't one of those, look at me, look at me, look at me. It was there to support what was going on and to just be part of the background. It didn't slide forward and jar me. Right, right. No, I mean I agree with you. Right, not like right, right. Um, well, I, I, I want to say uh, I said before you came on that um, uh, we are just working out and figuring out schedules. But I had told the audience that we respect all artists. We respect podcasts. Other podcasts do reviews, we do reviews, and we get the film director. So uh, we are, uh, when it comes time, we'll we'll have Mr. Uh, Quincy Rose on here to discuss some of this film. And uh, again, that Los Angeles screening, September 1st, I take full responsibility that I deleted the email with the info, but I know if you Google it, friends, and when I say effing, it's E-F-F-I-N-G, so friends, effing, friends, effing, friends, it will easily come up, it's out in the valley, just outside Los Angeles, everyone knows where the valley is, but just in case uh, you are hearing this from under a rock somewhere in Southern California, um, highly recommend it. Please, I know, do not give me the you don't want to drive over the 405, you don't want to go over the hill, blah, 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 blah. This film is worth it, and you will come out pleased. You will want to be seen it again or want to 
get it for your DVD or Blu-ray connection if it gets distributed, which we hope it does. Uh, we, we haven't been told anything about that. So um, with that, I'm, I'm wrapped here. I'm, I'm actually glad I got to take a second look at it with you, Jim. And um, before I just do the usual sign-off, is there anything else that you'd like to say? Yeah, well, yeah, actually there is. You know, you said that we, we watched the movies together. Actually, you're watching it there in California. I'm watching it here in Colorado. I'm not going to get a chance to. I, I guess you will actually, you know, spend some time with the young man that did the film. So I, I, I just ask you to just, you know, give him just a straightforward thank you for me. Because I did. I really enjoyed it. All right, well, no, he'll call in, and it's uh, it, it's it's all the interviews, as the audience knows, they call into our studio. So um, we are working for you uh, fans of the show to where we will eventually have guest callers to where you can, if the director's okay with it, you can call in and talk to the director. We're not quite there yet because we want to respect the director's space and their time, but... Uh, Jim and I have co-hosted a director before, so like we, another thing we like to say here at Talking Pictures is we love jazz music. You don't know what's going to happen, so if this is your first time listening, you're going to want to come back. If you've been listening, continue, tell your friends, and tell them to tell their friends. That's the only time I'm going to be cliche on this show. We want to thank Jim McNulty for his time. And as always, a great co-producer that this show has. A thank you to Mr. Quincy Rose for making this film and sharing it. And, of course, to our wonderful PR friend, uh, uh, Jonah, who continues to bring us fantastic films to review. And actually, the last thing I'm going to say before I sign off, tomorrow our wonderful PR rep friend Jonah will be our guest as he discusses a film that he acted in titled Flytrap, which I will have a review for you on Wednesday. Just due to a small technical glitch in the studio, the interview with the actor will come before the review, but trust me, Jonah knows what he's doing. It will make sense. So tune in tomorrow and if you've loved these films and have gotten to see any of them on VOD, when I mention the films Jonah brings us tomorrow, you get to hear PR rep extraordinaire talk about his acting side. So we're all jazzed here at Talking Pictures. We all thank you. Our team will be grateful each week. And like I always say, whether you're listening to this in morning, afternoon, or evening, please make sure and watch a good movie today. Aloha, Jim. Any last word? Yeah, just aloha from me. Aloha, Duskridania. <laughs> this is fun. I really love doing this. Excellent. Take care and peace to everyone. <laughs>